Alrighty, uh, this is a one-hour meeting. Today, Mary Lee has agreed to share her experience, strength, and hope with us until approximately 9.35. So, please welcome Mary Lee. Yay! Hey, I'm Mary Lee, uh, alcoholic um, and adult child. Hey, Mary Lee. Yes, really. It's so nice uh, when people say hello and smile. Um, you know, <clears throat> I am uh, recovered now. I'm recovering from uh, alcoholism. I've been uh, sober for 12 years, and I can definitely say that this time around, I mean, I have, I'm in recovery. I'm so happy for that. Um, I'm so grateful for that. I'm so lucky for that. Um, and I found ACOA when I was 24, um, and actually I've told my ACA story in the 80s. Um, and it's so interesting because all of the literature, and like a lot of the literature this, that we have now, we didn't have it in the 80s, you know, so we were like, there were pamphlets, those rooms were heavy, man. They were like, I, I had to go, but like AA was like a party. You know, coffee, sugar, you know, some cooking. It was just great. And people, attention. It was so much fun. ACA was like, oh, man, crying, uh, the suffering, the stories. Um, and when I told my story, I can definitely say that in the 80s, my story will be different tonight. Because in, at, at that time, I wasn't ready at all to feel the absence of parenting, the absence of love, and the fact that the, um, the torture that I endured as a child in my family um, was witnessed by a whole community, and no one did anything. And I used to say, they, they didn't do anything because they were black and they were, we were poor, and you know, and like, so I have to go out and I have to show everybody, like, you know, that, 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 you know, like, I am a strong black woman struggling alone in the world, you know, and that's going to be something good, and I'm going to save everybody, right? If I do the right things, the right things will happen to me, right? Um, well, um, I was a scapegoat, um, and uh, uh, what I found out is that nobody cared. I mean, seriously, the, the, the people that I was around were criminal, um, drug addicts, prostitutes, pimps. Um, it was a very, very kind of deprived and depraved environment, um, riddled with uh, violence um, and just totally, totally dangerous. The thing about it is that I can say this to you guys now because number one, Things are different, um, and number two, I know that you are with me. I'm in. I'm in good company. Um, I have my clock here. I'm gonna watch it because it's been ages since I've shared this story. And um, you know, um, the really good thing is that I'm a newcomer. And one way because I haven't 
I haven't, I haven't worked the steps with the new literature. I can't wait until I do that, man. The freedom I know that comes with that, because I did that in AA. I worked the steps and I got some freedom, you know? And I know that like, and I worked the steps in DA and I got more freedom. Um, and so it isn't just like the struggle. But I will tell you this, that I'll, I'll, you know, we share in a general way. Um, I think I've already told you uh, generally what my childhood was like. Um, I'm from the South. Um, I mean, I'm from that, that city where they had uh, oh, like the, probably uh, the most uh, Confederate soldier statues. Um, I'm from that city that had the highest murder rate per capita. And I'm a person who, um, like I said, lived in, in at least two of the most dangerous parts of that. And it was a city that had, in the middle of the town, it had a, um, a prison not even like a jail, a prison, where they actually executed people. Um, so death was every day. Like when I was a kid, I saw a little baby get um, smothered to death by his brother. I was sitting, hanging out a window one day and I saw a woman walking away and her uh, guy, this person shot her in the back and she had a white dress on. So. I could see the blood coming out, and um, I saw guns being pulled on people. I saw people stabbed. I I I was able to um, uh, avoid being raped at least three times, or maybe even murdered. Um, one time jumping out of a window, one time going another way. But you, know, these were the things that I had to kind of negotiate, like navigate as a child, because my mother was a narcissist, a beautiful woman. Um, uh, dancer. My father was an alcoholic, so that's another kind of narcissism. And and uh, and, um, and they had me, and they weren't married, and um, we were just like you know there were animals like uh, in you know, we, in where I where I come from you live with animals you would live with rats roaches um, like living things you know and it's, I, I'm not I'm only laughing because I just I don't I don't remember that I mean the cats were not kittens they were what do you call it, feral cats that they like, you know, I mean, it was rough, right? Um, and I think that I was a reader. I was trying to escape from day one. I was trying to escape everything. First, I was trying to escape the torture from my sisters because I had a schizophrenic sister and she would beat me up and it was scary and it was horrible. Um, and then the men, oh my God, they were terrifying. And um, and then the white people, they were terrifying. And um, I was just like, that was like spiritually, it was like, Bleh, right? Like, I would say the opposite. It's like, everything felt like sin. Then I also wanted to save my sanity because my sister, I mean, I saw what mental illness could do to you and my mom, that couldn't be right, the kind of stuff that was happening. Uh, I went to court and they threw my, my case out because they said I was lying, I'd been coached, because I had a, a big vocabulary, because I read a lot. I was a nerd. Um, and then my mother married that man. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to do was to live. You know, I didn't want to die. And I remember when I would say my prayers, I would say, dear God, um, as I lay me down to sleep, I prayed to the Lord my soul to keep. So I knew I had a soul. If I should die before I wake, which was a reality, I prayed to the Lord my soul to take. And then I would bless people. God bless my mother. God bless my daddy. God bless my sister. God bless, you know, I mean, God bless everybody. Amen. You know? And then I would go to bed hoping that I would wake up alive. 
So that was my childhood. And then I found alcohol. I found alcohol when I was 12. Um, you know, I mean, alcohol was everywhere. But there's a difference between being fed alcohol as a child in your bottle and finding alcohol when you're 14, you know? Um, when I was 12, I remember thinking, hey, you know, like I told you, I was a nerd, and the guys didn't like me, which was good, because I was a skinny little nerdy person, whereas my sisters, they had those like muscular bodies, you know, like, boom, you know, like 14, boom, and they were getting pregnant all the, all the time. And, and, um, and, you know, and I was in trouble by saying things like, really, you should maybe have an abortion because it's not good for your body. I mean, it was, it was crazy. Um, my mom would beat us with whatever was close, um, you know, belts, irons, um, uh, hammers. Um, so it was really scary. She, she had like a rage thing. But I remember when I found alcohol, I was like a, I was a seeker, you know. I would walk and I would seek things. I found yoga at 14, you know. I found all these mystical things. I found psychics and crystals and I, I didn't do drugs because drugs were bad, sex was bad, relationships are bad. I could do all the other things. But, but my, my saving grace would be um, education. Problem was, my dad died of alcoholism. I saw that. My mother was an alcoholic. She did drugs and everything. And I was like, but when I drank alcohol, I felt great. I felt connected. I felt something that I later came to know as worth. Um, and I could connect with people, and I could kiss guys. And then, you know, it's like, um, um, well, I'll put it this way. I could enjoy um, being touched. Um, because I was, I was uh, all the, the girls in my family were raped by this one guy that my mom married from age four. I was age four to nine, and then I saw all those things. I had to witness them. And I'll tell you this. Um, as an adult child, um, the scapegoat, when I show up in places, I can seem a little immature, you know, and have a lot of energy. Um, I, I probably have a lot of energy. Um, I was probably 80, 80, 80 or whatever that is. Um, but the one thing I wanted to say was my innocence, you know? Like when you're raped in the South when I was growing up in 1958, they, well, like in the 60s and stuff, they would say like, she lost her innocence, right? That was, it's like, I wanted to be in charge of my innocence. And if you think about the fact that when I went to court, they found this guy not guilty, which made me not innocent, right? I hope that makes sense to you. So I was a scapegoat, and I played that out in every relationship I had. Boyfriends, um, oh man, uh, they didn't have a chance with my arguments. I was a very angry, very, um, I mean, I would be very happy, very nice, and I get really pissed off when I drank. But I didn't drink every day. I was a, a binge drinker. Um, but alcoholism is a progressive disease. And that's a horrible thing because it really let me down, you know. Um, so when I came to AA when I was 24, um, I had a shaved head. I was about 89 pounds. Uh, I looked like a boy. I tried to look like my dad, I think. You know, you can imagine an emaciated alcoholic, right? 
Um, but really, I was trying to find out, are you my mother? You know? Um, so the men that I was with, I was either their mother or they were my mother. Um, and when they said to me in AA, please don't have sex in the first year, I was like, yeah, great. So I was celibate for three. No, no, I'm sorry, two and a half. And um, I say three because I, I did do a stunt of like not being, like not drinking by myself, but you know, all the ACA issues come up and I was a very, the world was very gray. Um, but here's the thing that happened when I got sober the first time in AA. And instead of going to ACA meeting, I started to experience PTSD. So I, I felt that I was being followed by a, like a, a figure. Um, I had a dog, and that dog was so neurotic for me that she was also seeing the figure. I was going to therapy three or four times a, a week. Um, I was, I suffered, I suffered. Um, and then I left the States because, like I said, I wanted to be a woman alone in the world struggling, and that's what I was. And I'm, I'm happy to say that the thing in AA that I got after a 10-year relapse, the hope was that, that I could really offer anyone staying sober is that I stopped struggling. That's, I mean, and with time, I ceased fighting everything and everybody. Not, not really like that, right? That's like ridiculous to say. But it's like I have that top of mind. And more than anything, that spiritual malady was a thing from my childhood. Nobody could, nobody would be a parent to me because they always wanted to have sex with me, men and women, you know? Um, therapists, teachers, um, best friends, um, uh, and betrayal was what I felt from the people around who would witness these things. So, being an A for 17 years, these things didn't go away because I didn't work any of the programs. I, I tried to work ACOA, but it was, like I said, it was very early. We were all like, you know, I got sucked into a cult, you know, things like that, those things that you do. Um, a lot of money went to psychics, a lot of money went to, like, actually, I was a hypochondriac. That's another way that my um, adult children, uh, 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 those, my childhood affected me. Um, so now, with just six minutes to go, I want to tell you just about like what happened when I came back to AA and took away the alcohol. Um, first of all, I was in really bad shape. I was, you know, I knew what it was like to see somebody dying from alcoholism, and I was beginning to uh, be like my mom, smell like my mom, act like my mom. Um, and, and so I knew that I was, I was heading toward death, like, like I told you, I wanted to survive. Um, I, had, I had resources, I had a marriage that I lost, then I had some boyfriends, and they were like very brutal relationships, really. And then I was edging toward my 50s, oh my God. On the one hand, I was happy that I even survived like life, you know, I was still alive, but I wasn't alive spiritually. So the first thing I did in AA was to stay sober, get a sponsor, um, and there were some narcissistic 
uh, abuse there too. Um, and, uh, you know, because it's like somebody's going to be like this, right? That's what I knew. But then I also found DA because I had to get rid of, the, I had to handle the things that were, or like handle them. I had to uh, learn how to um, work the program in those ways. And from those things, I actually got in touch with a higher power. And in these last five minutes, I want to, I want to, you know, I cannot share with you, um, like a, a stellar career, you know, in alcoholism in, in ACA. But what I can share with you is this: that since I'm a double, triple winner or whatever, I know for a fact that number one is a spiritual program. This ACA, right? So the answer is in parenting myself, but also like all that distrust and pain and suffering and torture that I continued, that I that was alive, you know, I mean, that was real and outside of me and that I continued to live in. Also, even if there was no one there, I still had the turmoil. Um, that I will learn how to love myself be a parent to myself. By the way, I did some reparenting, um, and that was part of the cult that I was in. Um, uh, and um, but this reparenting um, is is actually real. Um, already, I have. I know that is I can care for myself. I mean, in all ways, like I can take care of myself, and I can care for myself. Um, and I have enough recovery in AA to be here and say to you guys tonight that I'm an ACOA. I don't take this lightly at all. I take this really deeply because, you know, if I have to, if I faced, when I faced these issues without the help of a higher power, a fellowship, and a recovery program, I went back out drinking and had 10 years of the most intense hell. You know, uh, I wouldn't want anyone to go through that. Um, it's so funny because, you know, I used to think, and I'm, gonna, I'm wrapping this up now, and I hope that you guys get something from this because, you know, like I said, it's been a while, and I feel like I'm teachable, and I'm going to learn a whole bunch of stuff, and I'm, I'm dedicated uh, to myself. Um, uh, taking care of myself and learning how to love myself and sharing myself. Um, and, um, you know, it's like, I, it's like I'm, I can't even imagine uh, saying at this moment and honestly saying that I know that my story as an adult child will help someone else. I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you. I know it will, but I don't feel yet that it will. Um, so this is a lot of courage tonight to stand, to actually sit in front of you um, and not feel shame and not look for the laughs, but know that each of you are a piece of my higher power looking back at me. And as long as I have that, as I go toward, as they say, the third chapter in my life, you know, 
I'm really hopeful. I have so much hope because I have safety in my life today. Not from the fellowship of humans, but the fellowship of higher power and the of all those people that came before, before us, you know, and all the people and the spirit that we are. I hope that made some sense to you. It's like I have one more minute. So I'm going to say the, the, um, the first step prayer for myself and say, God, set aside everything I think I know about myself and ACA, the, the ACA program and AA. And even you, dear God, so I can have an open mind and a new experience. Please show me the truth. And please show me what's genuinely helpful. Thank you. That's all I got.